You got your Bible, let's make this confession because it is so true. Let's all repeat it together. The Word of God, word of God is, truth. is truth. If I live the Word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Tell your neighbor, it's just that simple. Let's give this worship team a hand. I love our worship team. Love that person around you. You can be seated. Good to see all of you in the house of the Lord. Thank God for Pastor Dan sharing last Wednesday night a great message uh, about halfway through it. It's really an awesome word. Looking forward to it. We are glad you are all here today. Got a lot of people here. I want you to promise us that you'll be back next Sunday. So turn to that neighbor and tell them I'm going to be back next Sunday. How many of you, I wasn't in here when we recognized the visitors, but how many of you are with us for the very first time? Can we see your hands? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and I'm often accused of evangelistically counting, so eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. We are glad. Give now, give our visitors a warm welcome. We are glad that you're here. If you have a church, stay where you are. If you don't have a church, stay where you are. We'd love to have you in our church. We have great children's ministry, youth ministry, really anointed for both of those areas, great child care. So we are glad that you're with us today. We're very active in the Sudan, and we have a picture that I think we're going to put up there for your prayers. And is this uh, uh, somebody else's? And, uh, and, uh, uh, do we have that group shot of, of some of the orphans? Yeah, here they are. Here's what you are doing through your prayers and for you visitors especially to know this. About 150 orphans at the Dreamland looking for another 25 to bring in very shortly. And I just think we just need to give God a hand for what he has done over there. Every one of those children, some of them now in high school, we've been involved over there since uh, 2007. When it was just a vision that Pastor Stanley had, and we walked that land of just bushland, and, and now it's a reality with dormitories and medical clinics and a school and the base. The, the school itself has over 240 children in it at the Dreamland Orphanage. The base school there has over 1,000 children in it, and I just thank God for each and every one of you. You may never get to Africa But the planting of your seed and your prayers can change your life forever. And who knows, there may be another George Washington raised over there. There may be another Nelson Mandela. There may be somebody that will impact the world. There were not maybe, there will be somebody that will impact the world in that orphanage over there. And so that is a mandate that we have in this church to touch that nation and to touch the nations of the world. If you have your Bible, you can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if not, you'll be able to follow along with us. But uh, many people are sharing about 2016, what they feel that's just natural coming into the fullness of the beginning of the year. And uh, last week, Pam had a great message. By the way, thank you all for taking care of everything while we're gone. Pam and I flew out Monday, uh, spent five days in Florida on the beach, and uh, it's a lot cooler down there than it is here. Uh, But uh, it's good to go, and it's good to come home. But the first of the year, many people share about what they feel the Lord is showing them, and, uh, and uh, Pam shared last Sunday on fulfillment, the great message. How many of you want fulfillment during 2016? Your hand should be raised. Yeah. And, and then I was, uh, I was checking out uh, Jerry Seville. 
And Jerry Seville believes 2016 is going to be a year of breakthrough. How many of you want breakthrough? 2016. And then uh, Copeland, he said, it's going to be a great year. And I thought, okay, what does that mean? So I went on his website, and, it's, uh, and he said, it's going to be a great year for whatever you need. Well, I'll take some of that. So I turned to your neighbor and said, I want some of that. So we'll, uh, we'll take some of that too. So we'll, uh, we'll believe it's going to be a great year. And, and the word that that I have for you today that I felt like God gave me. I know it's a word for me. I believe it's a word for our church too. I believe it flows right with what Pam had last Sunday. But 2016, God's plan is for you and I to have victory. God's plan is victorious. God's plan is victory. And that whatever God has planned it will be victory. And he does not plan defeat. He is never defeated. So what we've got to do is find out, well, if God's plan is victory, then what is God's plan? Now, God's plan, he has a plan for each and every one of us. And if you don't lose hope along the course of this year, then you'll fulfill God's destiny and God's plan for your life. In the world, it's going to be up, it's going to be down. We're going to share a word that God gave me about the world and what's going to be happening very shortly and is already happening in many areas of the, of the world. But the scripture that the Lord gave me was 1 Corinthians chapter 15 for this year. Every year I, I just seem to have in my spirit a scripture to stand on. Last year it was, for me, it was, it was uh, uh, Mark chapter 11, verse uh, 22. Have faith in God. Well, that's a good one to have all of the time. But 1 Corinthians this year is what God put in my heart. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, we have the victory. Everybody say, I have the victory. Turn to you, David. I have the victory. We are going from victory to victory with the Lord. We've already been given everything that we have, need of, power, authority, and dominion. We have what the world needs, and we have authority and dominion over the works of the devil. And then it goes on to say, therefore, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Because of the victory that we have, we are steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Now, we did this in the first service. I want to do it in this service, see if you're as good as the first service was. But when, whenever we have this little pause here, you'll know it's time for you to say, what are you going to be throughout 2016? And your response is... Not real sickly, but not real powerful either. <laughs> the devil walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may destroy. And he attacks you suddenly. He always attacks in your mind. Always in your mind. Putting together a series on the mind. He will always come against your mind. The sooner you rebuke the attack, the sooner the devil will walk away from you, only to regroup and come again. James 4, 7, submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee. He'll come back again and again and again. How many of you have found out that throughout 2015, you had great victories? Can I see your hands? How many of you have found out through 2015, you had things that seemed like anything but victory? 2016, 
will be an opportunity for the same things. The devil will come at you with everything he can, trying to kill, steal, and to destroy. This is not a bad confession, but the devil is good at what he does. God is better at what he does because we have the power and the authority and the dominion over the devil. It's never quite what the devil makes it look like, but it is always like God says it's going to be. And God said, we've got the victory, therefore we have the victory. Tell your neighbor, we have the victory. It doesn't matter what it looks like, we have the victory. Speaking of what it looks like, I like to laugh. I hope you like to laugh too. My wife says, honey, you're not funny all the time. I think I'm funny all the time because my wife laughs at me all the time and laughs with me all the time. It's very hard for me to envision that I'm not funny when she's laughing at me and saying, you're not funny. And it's like, if I'm not funny, why are you laughing? These two old boys decided to go camping. They were best friends. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's not always like it looks. These two old boys decided to go camping, and they're out in the campground. They had the fire lit, and they're doing their thing, and they're having a good old time. They've been friends for years. And all of a sudden, this bear breaks into the camp, huge grizzly bear. And this bear is in full attack mode, bristled hair, and looking at these two guys to devour them. And the one friend turned to the other. and Now, remember, these are best friends. The one turned to the other and said, what are we going to do? And he said, I'm running. He said, you can't outrun that bear. He said, I don't have to outrun that bear. I just have to outrun you. (laughs) You know, things aren't always what they appear to be. But we have the victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are never going to lose hope. When things go right, we're going to be... Now, the first service messed that one up, too, okay? When the devil comes, you don't have time to say, well, I think I'll go to church on Sunday and get everything I need. No, no, it may be Monday. Yeah, it may be too long to wait. You need to respond quickly. So when things go right, we're going to be... When things don't go the way they think, that we think rather that they should, we're going to be... And we're never going to lose hope. Is that correct? So therefore, we get focused like a flint on the things that God said to us, and we walk in the fullness of the victory that we already have. Now stop and think about this just for a moment. We already have the victory. We are looking for the victory. We have the victory over the devil, over powers and principalities. We're not of this world. The world's going through tribulation. We're not going through tribulation. We have overcome the world because Jesus overcame the world, and he gave us the victory. Now, this is the word that God gave me because in 1 John 5, 4 and 5, it says that when it, whoever has Jesus has overcome the world and it is our faith in Jesus that has overcome the world. So let's all say it one more time. I'm not of this world. People already think you're weird. So just turn to your name and tell them, I'm not of this world. What was that show that used to be on TV years ago? Robin Williams. Who was he? Mork. How many of you ever watched Mork? That dates you, doesn't it? You guys are getting old. Look at all the hands up. I always like Mork. Okay, now listen. This is the word the Lord gave to me because, see, we should live in the spirit of expectation of the supernatural all the time because that is our world once we receive Jesus. My people must get their hopes up to be able to navigate what is coming. 
I am going to shake the nations of the world, not because he wants to hurt people. He wants to get the attention of the world and draw them close to him. Out of this shaking, many will come to me, but also many will fall away. Stay focused on what I am showing you. Keep your hopes up. Always hope for the best. Place your hope in me. It will never disappoint you. Hope in me. How many of you received that word? It's a word that bears witness, or maybe you want to receive that word, that it bears witness with you. Our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is in what God has given us. And when we walk and exercise that hope, we walk in the fullness of what God has. I was quickened this morning, last night actually, to, uh, I just kept hearing this, and, and I couldn't remember uh, exactly who it was, but it was a your confession is so important. Is a, a World War II general who fought in the World War II and then in Korea, Chosan Reservoir. He happened to be a Marine Corps colonel, but uh, he'd also uh, wor- uh, uh, fought with Patton. And, uh, and, and, and there was this particular time when they were surrounded by the enemy. And he had to pull back from the enemy, and he pulled back from the enemy and started to move, uh, it's actually the 1st Marine Division out. And, uh, and so some of the commentators over there said, are you retreating? He said, retreat hell, I'm just advancing in another direction. You know, I think that was absolutely awesome, and all of the news media picked up on that. Retreat hell, we're advancing in another direction. We are not retreating from the devil. We are not backing down from powers and principalities. We're not going to hide out. We're going to advance, and we're going to continually go back and do what God has called us to do. There's something in every single one of you that is passion. You may not be pursuing your passion, but until you do, you'll never be fulfilled. But once you find your passion, you start to pursue it. You will have fulfillment. You don't have to make yourself get up in the morning and get excited about what you're doing. You're excited when you go to bed, and you're excited when you get up. And all of us have that passion about something. I have that passion about the Sudan. I think about the Sudan all of the time. I think about that orphanage all the time. I think about how we can help Stanley more than we're already helping him, how we can go from 150 children to 300 children, how we can get the one truck that's not running and get a new land uh, cruiser over there, $75,000 for a new land cruiser. That's pocket change for God. God is the financier. So turn to your neighbor and say, God's got all the money you'll ever need. Can you believe that? All the money. Dan was in the first service. Oh, Dan's in the second service. Dan, Dan back and back there. Dan, Dan is, 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 is part of our staff, youth pastor with Ian Kelly, and then also is a banker, vice president of a bank. And Dan, and I was talking to Dan using him as an example that Dan has so much authority where he works in his place that you can go in there and get money. If any of you need money, just go see Dan. And, and, and he, he, he's got a, a certain level he'll go up to it and he can just sign off on it. And, and then after that, it has to go to a committee and has to go to somebody else. God never asks you to do something that you have to pay for. You don't have to pay for it. He pays for it. There's a scripture that some people misquote. It says count the cost. It's not talking about figuring out whether or not you can afford to do what God told you to do. It's saying, are you willing to lay your life down to do what God has called you to do? Not that you have to pay for it. God will bring every cent to you, and he'll write a big check for whatever he's calling you to do. So whatever the passion is, that's what you need to follow. 
And we get our hopes up because if you don't get your hopes up, you get upset with life, you get upset in general, and your mind is always roaming around. Can I see the hands of all the people that you have a roaming mind? You know your mind is always just going like this. Now, you have to fix it on something because if you don't, the devil's going to come along and he's going to torment you in the area of your mind. The only way the devil attacks you is through your mind. Once you get your mind continually renewed and you stop this swirling of your mind and you get it on, this is what I'm hoping for. This is, I know what God wants to do. And you fix it in and you start to pursue it, then you'll be okay. But, but until you do that, the devil will have you back and forth constantly thinking about things that you shouldn't be thinking about. All of you have to make yourself think what God wants you to think. If you think that God's plan is for victory this year, then you'll never lose hope, <clears throat> no matter what happens. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. In 2015, I guarantee you, in a crowd this size, a lot of people had sick hope. Or what hope? You got sick in 2015 because you lost hope about something. And the reason you lost hope is because it didn't go the way you hoped it would. So therefore, then you went through some things you shouldn't. We have to get to the point when we refuse to let our emotions control us. Your emotions are not bad because God gave them to you. But if you allow them instead of God to control you, your emotions will have you up and down and up and down like a yo-yo. You have to tell yourself what to think. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need to tell yourself what to think. I told my wife one time something. I said, I, I said, I, it's a, what did I, what did I say? You wanted me to take notes for you in the car and call people and do stuff. Yeah, yeah, I told her what I wanted her to do. <laughs> I, I wanted you to take some notes, <laughs> I wanted you to take some notes and call some people here. She said, you can't tell me what to do. I said, I just did. <laughs> and and uh, I said, I, I can. She said, no, you can't. You can't tell me what to do. I said, you're wrong. I can tell you what to do. She said, well, I don't have to do it. I said, well, you're right about that. But, but, but I can tell you what to do. You know you can tell yourself what to do and what to think? Yes. Tell your neighbor. You can tell yourself what to think. I have great hope for tomorrow. Oh, praise God. How many of you know some people that they brighten a room when they come into it? You know what I'm talking about? Hey, can I see your hands? Do you know somebody like that? They, they come in the room and say, the room got bright. How many of you know people that brighten a room when they leave the room? It's just like... Sure glad they left because the room just got brighter. Now, we, we get to the point when we say, look, I have hope in everything. Well, what if it doesn't go right? Then I'm going to take my hope where it was here, and it didn't go the way I thought it would, but I'm going to do it over here. How many in 2015 you had things that really worked out great, but it was nowhere near what you thought it was? But it worked out anyway. It can, we've had so many things like that, honey. <clears throat> We're going to talk about this prayer journal in just a moment, but I want to read to you out of the book of Romans, chapter 15. I, I am sure I must have read this scripture over the years, but it was just like it was new to me down in Florida. It's like, wow, I didn't know that was in there like that, how it was read. But it's Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
In other words, it's not us, but it is the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's all say, I have that power. The Holy Spirit dwells within you. And in, in the book of Jeremiah 29, 11, God said, I know the plans, the purposes, the intents that I have for you. There is a plan for you. And when you pursue that plan, it gives you great hope. No matter who you are here today, there is a plan from God for you every day for 2016. We live in a world that tries to captivate you, but God wants you to be in charge and have you taken out of the world so that you can hear from him and what he wants you to do. You have the authority and the power and the dominion to do it. Now think about this just for a moment. Would God ever tell you to do anything that he has not given you the power and the authority and the dominion to do? You know the answer to that. No. You hear me talk about the Sudan all the time. The Sudan's on my heart all the time. When we first started, that first outreach with the Sudan, and I felt like the Lord said, uh, give them, uh, them $10,000 out of the church to build the first dormitory. We didn't have any money. Now, today... $10,000 doesn't look like much to us. But back then, it was huge. Then we went to $50,000. When we went to $70,000. Every single time, it was beyond our ability, but God wrote the check, and every single time, the finances were there. Most people spend their whole life, turn to your neighbor and say, he's not talking about you now. Most people spend their entire life avoiding failing. And the thing that they fear most is the fear of failure and the fear of finances. What if I fail? What if I don't have enough money? I can't do it because I don't have enough money. You can never be focused on finances. You have to be focused on what did God say? When he spoke to Jeremiah and said, Jeremiah, I got a plan for you. Got a plan, got a purpose for your life. Every single person on the face of this earth has a plan and a purpose. You either let the world put you in a box or you come out of the box and say, I'm going to serve and be what God wants me to be. And whatever God says, that's the way it is. That's where my hope is. I am established in what God said. Once you decide to live your life that way, every day is going to be a new day of doing what God's called you to do. In the book of Hebrews chapter 12, I don't have to ask you for sure answer. I can guarantee you this. <clears throat> in 2015, there were many disappointments that came your way. And there were many victories that came your way. Wherever you focused is how it was for you in 2015. It was either a great year or it was a terrible year. If you had great hope all year long, you had a great year in 2015. If you didn't, it was a difficult year. Your emotions can so much control you that it's, it's really something that <clears throat> years ago, uh, Paula, uh, we decided that you said it was okay if I used her name in the first service. So, Paula, if you're listening to this message, Paula Micah used to attend our church. And how many of you are an emotional being? 
All the women raised their hands. I saw that. <laughs> no, no, you know, you know we, we all have emotions. That's just the fact. But Paula Michael was attending our church. She, I think, whether, did we decide she met the guy in our church or not? A lot of people meet people in our church and get married. Uh, but anyway, Paula got married. We did, we did the service here. How many of you remember Paula, Paula Micah? Paula Micah came to our church, and, and, as, and as a visitor, I was preaching this one day, and I said, I don't care how you feel. All I care is, are you going to let God bless you and live the word? And she left and said, I'm never going back to church like that. I don't want to be with the pastor who didn't care how I feel. I want the pastor to care how I feel. Oh, poor baby. And... and <laughs> So she didn't come back for quite a while. And then later on, she came back again. And, and uh, she, I forget what happened. She had a dog that wasn't feeling well or something like that. I'm serious. Now, this is not, I'm not making a joke. Her dog wasn't feeling good. And, and I said, I, and, and, and again, I said something to the effect of, I don't care how you feel. I care about whether or not you're going to be blessed by God by living the Word of God. And she left again. So I'm not coming back again because I want somebody to care how I feel. Oh, poor baby. And anybody, but she, finally, she came back. And she started to get the message. The reason I brought that up, we got a Christmas card from her this year. And she said, I just want you to know how my life was changed at your church. And I just loved it. She said, I can still hear Pastor Bill saying, I don't care how you feel. <laughs> it really blessed me to hear that. And she's really done well with her life and all. But a lot of people, they want somebody to feel the way they feel, but they're not even sure how they feel. Uh, you know, it's like, uh, man. <laughs> Think about the country song when I was a senior in high school. This is the actual title. I used to love country. I still do love country music, but it's, you got to find, you got to really pick and choose. But it was, uh, but the number one song when I was a senior in high school was "I'll Pick You Up on My Way Down." And I thought, gee, what a song title! I'll pick you up on my way down. Misery loves company, but we have victory. Turn to your neighbor. We got victory. So when the devil tries to come and steal our hope, we are. Whoa, too slow, too slow. You got to be faster on the draw. This would be a great illustrated sermon. Two guns, Roy Rogers type. We went to a restaurant down there in Florida, a brand new restaurant that opened on the Gulf. Lady had no sense of humor whatsoever at the counter. They had, what was it? What was it for Elton John? Elton John, oh my goodness. They, when they give you, when you order, they give you things of famous people. And had Elton John, right underneath Elton John was Roy Rogers. Well, I wasn't about to take Roy, uh, Elton John. But she wouldn't let me have Roy Rogers for our table. So I had to sit at the table with Elton John, and Roy Rogers was up there, and somebody else got it. That just wasn't right. Roy Rogers was my hero. But if you had your guns on like this, you know, and, and when the devil comes to steal your hope, what are you going to do? And put them back, and then he comes again. He'll come to torment you. But we get to the point where we say, I believe what I say. I am what I say. I am what the Word of God says. I have the victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, I am steadfast. I am immovable. I am abounding in the work of the Lord. That's not prideful. That is exactly what Jesus gave his life for, so that you and I would abound in the work of the Lord. There are things for you to do. You don't have time to sit around and feel bad about yourself. Do bad things happen? 
happen to us? Yes. Get up, keep moving, suck it up, and move on. That's the word for the day. Turn to your neighbor and say, please come back next Sunday. You got to keep moving. You can't stop. You got to keep moving because God's got a plan for you, and it's an awesome plan. Now, in Hebrews chapter 12, this is what it says. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily tries to ensnare us. What's the rest of it say? <laughs> and then let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, sat down at the right hand of the Father. Now look at verse number three. Consider him, lest you become weary and discouraged in your mind in your soul. There are a lot of people that think the devil is the problem. Devil is a defeated foe. Devil and powers and principalities have been defeated and disarmed. We have the victory. How can he be the problem? The problem is what you think about what he's doing. As a matter of fact, you don't even need to be thinking about what he's doing. You need to be thinking about what God's doing and what God has called you to do. Otherwise, you will become weary and discouraged. Now, we have visitors, don't we? Okay. All right. Turn to, turn, turn to everybody on each side and just tell them you must come back. Turn to them and say, I think we're ready to hear what we're about to hear. If you are weary and discouraged, you are the problem. Thank you for that overwhelming response. I just want to bask in it for a moment. If you're weary, and discouraged, it is because you are allowing weariness and discouragement to rule in your mind. Ah, oh, but you don't know what happened. I'm sorry for what happened. But if you don't get up and shed the weariness and discouragement, it'll stay with you. You'll be a born-again Christian on the way to heaven living hell. Born again Christian on your way to heaven, living hell. Because you're weary and discouraged and not walking in the victory that God has provided for you. Submit to God. Resist the devil. He will flee. He'll come again. I believe that hope deferred truly makes the heart sick. And, 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 and this scripture in, in uh, Zechariah, I'm just going to paraphrase, paraphrase all of Zechariah. It's it's about Zerubbabel, and it's a scripture that all of you probably know. It's it's uh, Zechariah four six. Zerubbabel was called to rebuild the temple, and and in the course of that, he was given instructions how to do it. Certain things he could and couldn't do. Couldn't borrow. Couldn't do things. It, it, if you really read all of Zechariah, it's really in, in, incredible what Zerubbabel had to do at the leading of God to rebuild the temple. But the word came that it's not by might, 
to Zerubbabel, not by might, not by power, by my spirit, says God. This world is going to be shaken by God to bring the world to their senses, and we're going to accomplish God's plan and purpose by the power of of the Holy Spirit. We read about it in Romans 15, 13, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to encourage all of you as we come to the end of this message, I want to encourage all of you, not encourage you, I'm going to tell you what to do. Now, you may sit there like my wife did that one time and said, you can't tell me what to do. Yes, I can. You don't have to do it. Turn to your neighbor and say, he can tell you what to do. You still have to come back, but, 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 but I can tell you what to do. I believe that many people go to bed at night and get up in the morning and let their mind think for themselves. And they, you let your mind have freedom to do whatever you want to do. Can I see the hands of all the people who know somebody like that? And sometimes you think, well, my mind is tormented. How can the mind of Christ be tormented? How can a person who knows Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior have torment in their mind if they have the mind of Christ and the mind is renewed? Aha! What if your mind is not renewed? What if your mind is thinking wrong thoughts? What if the thoughts that you're thinking are your thoughts and the world thoughts, but not God's thoughts? Then you're free to think whatever you want, or the devil can think whatever he wants through you, or the world can entice you to think what it wants you to think. Or you can meditate, as Joshua was told, Joshua 1, 8, and 9, one of the greatest heroes for me in the entire Old Covenant was Joshua. And Joshua cried out to God, and, and God spoke to him and said, Joshua, this is what I want you to do. I want you to meditate the Word of God day and night, and you will make your way prosperous, and you'll have good success. Don't ever be discouraged, and don't ever be dismayed. If anybody could have been discouraged and dismayed, it could have been Joshua. But he was elevated into a position of leadership, and God said, don't you ever stop meditating my word. Don't you ever get discouraged. Don't you ever get dismayed. And you will always have success. Only one time did Joshua fail at having success. And he didn't know what God told him to do, and he did it anyway, and he paid dearly for it. This is what I am Let's see, I think I'll change it for this service. This is what I am commanding you all to do. Turn to your neighbor and just tell him, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> this is what I'm commanding all of you to do. Some of you are already doing it. If you aren't, I am commanding you to do it. Get a prayer journal. It doesn't have to be expensive, but get a prayer journal. And every morning when you get up, now, this is where I step on some toes. Well, maybe I already have stepped on some toes, but that's okay. Every morning when you get up or at night before you go to bed, you need to sit down with the Lord. Now, this is what I do. I, I, there are days I miss it, but this is what I try to do. I try to sit down with the Lord wherever I can find a nice, quiet place and say, God, tell me what you want me to know. Show me what you want me to do. And I begin to write what I hear in my spirit. And I begin to write it down every single day uh, because it's the most important thing to me. Now, here's what I encourage you to do, and this is where I can be stepping on some toes. There is nothing wrong with listening to Kenneth Copeland, Joyce Myers, Jerry Seville, 
all people that I really uh, dearly respect. Uh, and I listen to them. So all those people. But you, the most important thing for you is not to hear what they say. The most important thing in your life is for you to know what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. And when you know what God is speaking to you, you write it down. The other day I was praying and, and, and I felt like the Lord spoke to me. I have prayer journals. Somebody told me to do this in 1980. So I've done this since 1980. I, uh, since 1980, I have my prayer journals. If you look in my little office area there, I have prayer journals from 1980 to the far. The other day I was praying about something, and this is what I heard. I said, God, what do you want me to do? And, and uh, here's what I heard. I want you to reread all your prayer journals. And my response was, you've got to be kidding. That's not, I don't know if any of you have ever talked to God that way, but every once in a while, you know, it's like, oh, you're going to be kidding. That's a lot of reading. From 1980 all through the present, I finally did it. I was amazed at how straight the path was that God had for me. Not everything I've realized that he told me he was going to do, but time and time again, years down the road, I saw what he did that he told me he was going to do. There are some things in my life, they still haven't happened, but I know what God said. I have great hope and faith in what God said. I shared this with the first service. I don't know if I can do it in this service. But uh, God told me in 1980 that if I would do what he called me to do, he'd take care of my children. He t Pam has three, I have three, we have six. Uh, uh, my, my daughter is, is in a church out in Charlotte and doing really well, loving God and doing really well with her husband. My two boys live right here in Lafayette, Indiana. We see one every Easter. Uh, it is about, you know, one every Easter and the other one we, we never see. He came to church for a while, for about a month. To send up here as your pastor of your church and know the Word of God, and know what God has shown me, and know that God said, I'll take care of your children, and never see your children in church, is very difficult sometimes to say, hey, I think I'll tell you all about how to raise a family. <laughs> it just doesn't feel quite right. But I know the right way to do it. I didn't always do it the right way, but I know the right way to do it. But I have it written down. I know what God said. God said, I'll take care of your children if you do what I've called you to do. Someday, I hope I'm not in heaven looking down seeing it, but someday I'm going to see Darren in this church. I'm going to see David in this church. David back. David came for a while. Darren it shows up every once in a while. But anyway, regardless, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm moved by what I believe. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, don't be moved by what you see. Be moved by what you believe. And I know that I know that I know that every word of God will not return void. And that you and I have to get to the point when we refuse to be weary or discouraged about anything. You can't help but not being disappointed. There will be things that happen in 2016 just like happened in 2015. It's going to be a disappointment to you. Get over it, move on, get rid of it. 
Don't focus on that. That's a distraction. Focus on what did God say. God said that we are in charge. God said he'd give us authority, power, and dominion over the devil. He's got a plan, a purpose for each and every one of our lives. Let's stand right now. We are going to go from glory to glory. God's plan. How many of you believe that God's plan is always victorious? Always. So God has a plan for 2016. It is a plan of victory going to shake the world. We're going to be there to reach out to the world and say, hey, come on into the house of the Lord. When I look at this church right now in this service, if every one of you would, with a passion of God, go out there and find somebody on the street and bring them next week, we couldn't get a seat for everybody. We'd have to have some people sit on the floor. I think that would be awesome. But I know this. Many years ago, when God spoke into my heart, and Laurel Hassett put this in a frame for me, concerning our building and our land, Mr. Sachs, everything that we feel God's getting ready to do, my hand will move on your behalf. Your congregation will know it was my hand that moved. The entire city will know it was my hand that moved. Nothing has changed from what God said. Nothing has changed from the promises of God for your life. God is going to fulfill every promise that he gave to you. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment?